Envision this. You're caring for a 42-year-old man that was found unconscious by his wife. She found vomit and mostly empty brown glass liquor bottles next to him. He is currently breathing very slowly at a rate of six per minute. As part of your initial workup, a blood gas shows profound acidosis with a serum pH of 6.9, along with an elevated partial pressure of arterial carbon dioxide. Based on the information you have, you diagnose a respiratory acidosis and give him naloxone in case he has overdosed on an opioid. But this does not improve his condition, and he is intubated. How will you analyze this patient's severe acidemia? Welcome to Audio Bricks. This is Ed Barnes breaking down the acid-based disorders in your ears. After completing this brick, you will be able to 1. Define acid-based disorders and describe how they clinically present. 2. Explain the process for evaluating acid-based disorders from arterial blood gas values and the importance of calculating the serum anion gap. And 3. Be able to work through an acid-based clinical case by applying the calculations of compensations in serum anion gap and make a diagnosis. Part 1. What are acid-based disorders? The normal pH of the blood falls within a narrow range of 7.35 to 7.45. Values outside that range, whether high or low, can lead to serious problems and even death. These abnormal pH states, called acid-base disorders, are grouped into two big categories. Category 1. The metabolic acid-base disorders are caused by abnormal amounts of non-volatile acid, meaning an acid other than carbon dioxide, or a base in the blood. These disorders are metabolic acidosis and metabolic alkalosis. Category 2. Respiratory acid-based disorders are caused by abnormal amounts of carbon dioxide or volatile acid in the blood. These disorders are respiratory acidosis and respiratory alkalosis. Note that terms ending in emia refers to blood pH, while osis refers to the cause of altered blood pH. For example, when there's an alkalemia, the pH is greater than 7.45, and there must be at least one alkalosis or cause in play. Notice that when we say at least one, since there may be multiple acidosis and alkalosis in the same patient. Acid-based disorders are common, potentially life-threatening and treatable. So in addition to understanding how these disorders work, it's important to know how to approach a patient with a potential acid-base imbalance. The causes and underlying mechanisms of the specific acid-based disorders are covered thoroughly in other bricks. Here, we will pull that knowledge together and learn how to apply the information in a clinical setting. There are often no specific symptoms of acid-base disorders, so many are detected after drawing lab tests in a sick-looking patient. They may present in patients with a number of common symptoms like shortness of breath, fatigue, vomiting, or diarrhea. Part 2. What is the process for evaluating an acid-base disorder? Although assessing acid-base disorders may seem daunting at first, having a step-by-step -step approach to blood gas analysis and lots of practice make it easy. Broadly speaking, these are the steps. 
One, determine if the initial disturbance is an alkalosis or an acidosis. Two, determine the likely primary disorder. Three, calculate the serum anion gap. Four, determine if there is an appropriate compensation for the primary disorder. And five, if the compensation is not appropriate, we have to look for a second primary disorder occurring together with the first, a situation called mixed acid-base disorder. Sick patients may have two or more acid-base disorders simultaneously, but in practice, three is the maximum number that we usually can identify. This is not just a mathematical exercise. Acid-base analysis can point to undiagnosed clinical problems that weren't urgent treatment. Let's now go sequentially through these steps. Step 1. Determine the primary acid-base disorder. The first step in assessing any acid-base disorder is to identify whether the most important cause is an acidosis or an alkalosis. A pH less than 7.35 suggests an acidosis is present, while a pH greater than 7.45 suggests an alkalosis is present. Step 2. Determine if respiratory or metabolic primary disorder. Next, look at changes in the level of serum bicarbonate, where a normal value is 24 milliequivalents per liter, and blood partial pressure of arterial carbon dioxide, or PaCO2, where a normal value is 40 millimeters per mercury. This will make sense if you think about the primary insult and the subsequent patterns of the pH and the other molecule that changes in compensation to the primary insult. For example, in metabolic acidosis, the added acid, or loss of base, decreases the bicarbonate and is the primary abnormality, lowering the pH and causing a compensatory fall in the PaCO2. In metabolic alkalosis, there's an excess of base that increases the bicarbonate and is the primary abnormality, increasing the pH and causing a compensatory rise in the PaCO2. Next, respiratory acidosis. There is a retention in carbon dioxide, increasing the PaCO2 and is the primary abnormality, lowering the pH and causing a compensatory increase in the serum bicarbonate after a period of time. Finally, respiratory alkalosis, there is a decrease in the carbon dioxide, decreasing the PaCO2 and is a primary abnormality, increasing the pH and causing a compensatory decrease in the serum bicarbonate after a period of time. A quick shorthand to remember these patterns is that if the bicarbonate and pH are abnormal in the same direction, like pH up and bicarbonate up, it's a metabolic acid-base disorder. If they are often opposite directions, like pH up, bicarbonate down, it's a respiratory acid-base disorder. Let's stop for a quiz. An arterial blood gas is drawn and shows a pH of 7.31, bicarbonate of 32 milliequivalents per liter, and a PaCO2 of 60 millimeters per mercury. What is the primary acid-base disorder? The pH is down, so we know that it's an acidosis. Because the pH is down and the bicarbonate is up, opposite directions, 
These findings are indicative of a respiratory acidosis. Let's discuss the different causes of acid-base disorders. Metabolic acidosis can arise by several mechanisms and several causes. It can be caused by an excess of non-volatile acid. Examples include diabetic ketoacidosis or lactic acidosis. Ingestions of toxic acids like acetosicylic acid or aspirin, ethylene glycol or methanol can also be a cause. Loss of bicarbonate in the stool like diarrhea or in the urine, like with renal tubular acidosis, round out the list of causes. Metabolic alkalosis can also arise by several mechanisms and several causes. It can arise from a loss of acid from the GI tract from vomiting or a loss in the kidneys from loop or thiazide diuretics and possibly hyperaldosteronism. There may also be excess consumption of base from antacids. Respiratory acidosis causes include suppressed respiratory drive from intake of opiates or sedative overdose, weak respiratory drive from conditions like myasthenia gravis, and poor gas exchange is found in obstructive lung diseases like chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or COPD. And lastly, the causes of respiratory alkalosis include psychogenic hyperventilation from fear, anxiety, or panic disorder, hypoxia-driven hyperventilation from high altitude or pneumonia, or hypoxia and or low lung blood perfusion that is found in patients with a pulmonary embolism. Now on to step three, calculate the anion gap. We calculate the anion gap, also known as AG, to determine if a high anion gap metabolic acidosis is present. Note that whatever type of disturbance you decided was primary above, if there is a high anion gap, there is also a high AG metabolic acidosis present. What is the anion gap? It is a calculated discrepancy between the amount of sodium, a cation, and the amount of chloride and bicarbonate anions that exist because of physiologic unmeasured anions in the blood, such as phosphate, sulfate, and anionic proteins such as albumin. The normal anion gap can be calculated by subtracting the sum of the serum chloride and bicarbonate from the serum sodium. The anion gap normally ranges between 4 to 12 milliequivalents per liter, and any value greater than 20 should definitely be investigated. The anion gap can determine the type of metabolic disorder present and also the etiology. When the anion gap is widened, consider the causes by using the mud piles mnemonic for high anion gap metabolic acidosis. M for methanol, ethanol, and metformin, U for uremia, acute or chronic renal failure, D, diabetic ketoacidosis, also known as DKA, P, propylene glycol, I, isoniazid or INH or iron, L, lactic acidosis, E, ethylene glycol, and S, salicylates late in its course. Of these, uremia in renal failure, DKA, lactic acidosis, and ingestions are the most common. Moving on to step four, 
determine if compensation is appropriate. After determining the primary disorder, we analyze the degree of compensation. You may recall that in metabolic acidosis, there's not just a change in bicarbonate and pH, the PaCO2 drops too. Why is this? Each acid-based disorder has an associated compensation that helps return the pH back towards normal. Metabolic disorders have respiratory compensations, while respiratory disorders have metabolic compensations. Let's take the example of metabolic acidosis. The medullary respiratory center sense the low pH and stimulate hyperventilation. This lowers the PaCO2 and raises the pH back toward normal. A similar thing happens in respiratory disorders in which the kidney responds to change in the PaCO2 by reabsorbing or excreting bicarbonate to return the blood pH back towards the normal 7.4. Here's a tip. In a simple acid-base disorder, bicarbonate and the PaCO2 will always increase or decrease together. How about acute versus chronic disorders? A note on these compensations. Our primary metabolic disorder typically provokes rapid respiratory compensation within seconds to minutes of a change in blood pH. The rate of the ventilation increases. In contrast, the kidneys are relatively slow to respond to primary respiratory disorders. Maximal compensation typically takes between three to five days to achieve. So patients with acute respiratory acidosis, for example, during a cardiac arrest, or acute respiratory alkalosis, for example, with acute pain, will not yet show alterations in their serum bicarbonate levels, since there has been inadequate time for this compensation to occur. How do we check for appropriateness of compensations? A single isolated acid-based disorder has an expected compensation in which the bicarbonate or PaCO2 rises or falls by an expected amount, depending on how severe the primary disorder is. On the other hand, if the observed compensations are not in the expected range, we are not in fact dealing with a single acid-based disorder, and instead there is a second or mixed acid-based disorder present. One of the simplest initial ways to diagnose some mixed disorders is to recognize that the bicarbonate and the PaCO2 are moving in opposite directions from normal, rather than moving up or down together. Such a pattern specifically indicates a combined respiratory and metabolic acidosis or a combined respiratory and metabolic alkalosis. Let's review this with an example. A patient is vomiting due to gastroenteritis and has this arterial blood gas or ABG. pH 7.55, PaCO2 of 35 millimeters per mercury, bicarbonate of 30 milliequivalents per liter, partial pressure of oxygen of 100 millimeters per mercury. Note that the pH is increased, alkalosis, and the bicarbonate is increased, meaning metabolic alkalosis. But instead of expected high PCO2, the body's normal compensation for metabolic acidosis, we now see a decreased PACO2. The PACO2 and the bicarbonate have gone in different directions and the compensation is not appropriate. This flags a mixed acid-based disorder. 
The patient has a second mystery disorder on top of the metabolic alkalosis, but which one? Well, this mystery disorder lowers the PaCO2, so it must be a respiratory alkalosis. So the patient has two acid-base disorders, a metabolic alkalosis and a respiratory alkalosis. Why might this be? The vomiting causes the metabolic alkalosis, and when we examine the patient, we see that he is also deeply breathing and dry heaving because of his nausea. This induces an acute respiratory alkalosis, hyperventilation, two disorders. What is the role of formula in compensation for metabolic acid-base disorders? A more accurate test of appropriate compensation and to detect all types of mixed acid-base disorders is to use compensation formula to determine the expected bicarbonate or the expected PaCO2 and then compare it to the measured value. For metabolic acidosis, we rely on Winter's formula, where the expected PaCO2 is equal to 1.5 times the bicarbonate plus 8, with also a plus or minus 2. For example, a diabetic patient has this ABG, pH 7.21, PaCO2 22 millimeters per mercury, and bicarbonate 8 milliequivalents per liter. There is a metabolic acidosis because the pH is acidemic and the pH and bicarbonate are both low. By Winter's formula, expected PaCO2 equals 1.5 times the bicarbonate plus 8 with the correction factor of plus or minus 2. So, 1.5 times 8 plus 8. That equals 12 plus 8 which further equals 20 millimeters per mercury, plus or minus 2. The expected and measured PaCO2 are within the same range, i.e. 18 to 22. Therefore, the respiratory compensation for the metabolic acidosis is appropriate. So the patient has a simple metabolic acidosis, not a mixed disorder. For metabolic alkalosis, the 0.7 plus 20 rule is used. Here's another example. A vomiting patient with pain from kidney stones is given several doses of morphine for the pain and has this ABG. pH 7.47, PaCO2 58 millimeters per mercury, and bicarbonate 38 milliequivalents per liter. At first glance, the patient appears to have a simple metabolic alkalosis with a very high pH, high bicarbonate, and high PaCO2. But when we use the 0.7 plus 20 rule, we find the expected PaCO2 is equal to 0.7 times 38 plus 20. That gives you 47 millimeters per mercury plus or minus 5. The expected PaCO2 of 47 plus or minus 5 is lower than the observed value of 58. This patient's measured PaCO2 is high for what we would expect in a simple metabolic alkalosis. A PaCO2 that is too high means a concurrent respiratory acidosis. The mixed disorder, metabolic alkalosis, and respiratory acidosis is what makes the net pH relatively normal in the face of big changes in both bicarbonate and PaCO2. In this case, the patient's vomiting caused the metabolic alkalosis by way of loss of gastric acid, 
and the multiple doses of morphine has caused respiratory depression, hypoventilation, and respiratory acidosis. So there is a double disorder. Let's try another quiz. In Winter's formula, what does it mean when the calculated PaCO2 is lower than the measured PaCO2 in a patient with metabolic acidosis? The low PaCO2 means that the patient has a concurrent respiratory alkalosis along with their metabolic acidosis. Moving on to the role of formula in compensation for chronic respiratory acid-based disorders. In patients with primary chronic respiratory acidosis or alkalosis, we can determine the presence of co-occurring metabolic disorders by estimating the expected change in pH based on change in PaCO2. Assuming enough time has elapsed for maximal metabolic compensation, i.e. the disorder is chronic, not acute, then for every 10 millimeters of mercury change in PaCO2, the bicarbonate should move in the same direction by about 4 milliequivalents per liter. Or, as a formula, the expected bicarbonate is equal to 24 plus the PaCO2 minus 40 times 0.4. If this rule is violated, a metabolic acid-based disorder is also present. Here's an example. In evaluating a patient's ABG that shows a pH of 7.24, PaCO2 of 60 millimeters per mercury, and bicarbonate of 24 milliequivalents per liter, your initial conclusion will be a primary respiratory acidosis given the low pH and elevated PaCO2. Let's estimate the expected bicarbonate that corresponds to the level of this PaCO2. The expected bicarbonate, 24 plus the PaCO2 minus 40 times 0.4, is 24 plus 60 minus 40 times 0.4, then 24 plus 20 times 0.4. That leads to 24 plus 8. And finally, equals 32 milliequivalents per liter. We can see that this patient's expected bicarbonate of 32 is higher than the measured result of 24, i.e., the patient's actual bicarbonate is lower than expected. This suggests that there is a second metabolic acidosis present in this patient. So they have a mixed respiratory and metabolic acidosis. Remember, the causes of high anion gap metabolic acidosis include methanol and metformin, uremia, secondary to acute or chronic renal failure, diabetic ketoacidosis, also known as DKA, propylene glycol, isoniazid or iron, lactic acidosis, ethylene glycol, and salicylates late in its course. Causes of high anion gap metabolic acidosis? Mud piles. Part 3. How do we put it all together using an acid-based clinical algorithm? With all the equations in hand, let's review the steps. First, we check the arterial pH. If the arterial pH is greater than 7.4, there's an alkalosis. Next, 
we assess the ABG. If the PCO2 is less than 40 millimeters per mercury, then there is a respiratory alkalosis and you will assess for compensation. If bicarbonate is greater than 24, there is a metabolic alkalosis and you will need to assess for compensation. Now, back to the arterial pH. If the pH is less than 7.4, there is an acidosis. If the PaCO2 is greater than 40 millimeters per mercury, then there is a respiratory acidosis and you will need to assess for compensation. If the bicarbonate is less than 24, there is a metabolic acidosis. Next, you will need to assess the anion gap. If the anion gap is greater than 16, then there is an anion gap metabolic acidosis. If the anion gap is 6 to 12, then there is a non-anion gap metabolic acidosis. You will need to assess for compensation for both the anion gap metabolic acidosis and the non-anion gap metabolic acidosis. Let's try a few practical applications of what we've covered. Example 1. A 20-year-old woman with a history of arthritis has routine blood work done. A basic metabolic panel is drawn and shows sodium 138 mL per liter, potassium 4 milliequivalents per liter, chloride 102 milliequivalents per liter, bicarbonate 10 milliequivalents per liter, and glucose 99 milligrams per deciliter. An arterial blood gas is drawn and shows pH 7.37, bicarbonate 10 milliequivalents per liter, and PaCO2 17 millimeters per mercury. How do we determine the acid-base status of this patient? Step 1. What is their primary acid-base disorder? First, we look at the pH. The pH is below 7.4, suggesting an acidosis. Step 2. Is their primary disorder respiratory or metabolic? With a decreased pH and a decreased bicarbonate, metabolic acidosis is the underlying cause. Step 3. What is the anion gap? The next step requires a look at the anion gap to determine the type of metabolic acidosis. Remember, the anion gap is equal to the sum of the chloride and bicarbonate subtracted from the sodium. So in this case, it's 102 plus 10, which is 112, subtracted from 138, which gives you 26 millicolons per liter. Since the normal value is 4 to 12, this patient has a high anion gap metabolic acidosis. Step 4. Is the compensation appropriate? The final step is to decide whether the lungs are providing adequate compensation for the metabolic acidosis. To calculate the expected compensation for a metabolic acidosis, we use Winter's formula. Where the expected PaCO2 is equal to 1.5 times the bicarbonate plus 8 with a correction factor of plus or minus 2. So in this case, it's 1.5 times 10 plus 8. The results equal 23 millimeters per mercury plus or minus 2. The measured PaCO2 of 17 is lower than we would expect if there were a simple metabolic acidosis with appropriate pulmonary compensation. The too low PaCO2 suggests the presence of a concurrent respiratory alkalosis. What is the diagnosis? 
Therefore, the patient has a mixed disorder, a high anion gap metabolic acidosis and a respiratory alkalosis. This mixed disorder is classically seen in later stages of aspirin toxicity. Example 2. A patient presents with the following serum studies. Sodium, 142 milliequivalents per liter. Potassium, 2.8 milliequivalents per liter. Chloride, 92 milliequivalents per liter. Bicarbonate, 38 milliequivalents per liter and glucose of 99 milligrams per deciliter. An ABG is drawn and shows pH of 7.5, bicarbonate 38 milliequivalents per liter, and a PaCO2 of 51 millimeters per mercury. What is the acid-base status of this patient? Step 1. What is a primary acid-base disorder? The elevated pH indicates that this patient has an alkalosis. Step 2. Is a primary disorder respiratory or metabolic? In this patient, both pH and bicarbonate are elevated, therefore this is a metabolic alkalosis. Step 3. What is the anion gap? We have only done this for patients with metabolic acidosis, but since there can sometimes be mixed disorders like metabolic alkalosis with an anion gap metabolic acidosis, it is good practice to do this calculation in all acid-base problems. Here, the anion gap is 142 minus the sum of 92 plus 38, and that's equal to 12, which is normal. Here, there is no anion gap metabolic acidosis causing a mixed disorder. Step 4. Is the compensation appropriate? Here, we use the formula for metabolic alkalosis, where the expected PaCO2 is equal to 0.7 times bicarbonate plus 20, with a correction factor of plus or minus 5. 0.7 times 38 plus 20 equals 47 millimeters per mercury, plus or minus 5. What is the diagnosis? The measured value of 51 is within the expected range, so this is a simple metabolic alkalosis. Example 3. A patient with COPD and severe chronic kidney disease with an estimated GFR of 10 milliliters per minute with 1.73 meters squared has the following biochemical analysis. The sodium is 144 milliequivalents per liter, potassium 4.6 milliequivalents per liter, chloride 90 milliequivalents per liter, bicarbonate 34 milliequivalents per liter, and glucose of 78 milligrams per deciliter. The pH is 7.2, PO2 90 millimeters per mercury, and PaCO2 of 80 millimeters per mercury. What is this patient's acid-base status? Step 1. What is a primary acid-base disorder? The low pH indicates that this patient has an acidosis. Step 2. Is a primary disorder respiratory or metabolic? In this patient, pH is low while PaCO2 and bicarbonate are elevated, characteristic of respiratory acidosis. Step 3. What is the anion gap? The anion gap here is 144 minus the sum of 90 plus 34, 
which is equal to 20 millicoulombs per liter. Since the normal value is 4 to 12, the patient has an increased anion gap, so has an added high anion gap metabolic acidosis. Step 4 is the compensation appropriate. Using the formula for expected pH based on PaCO2 levels. The expected bicarbonate is equal to 24 plus PaCO2 minus 40 times 0.4. So 24 plus 90 minus 40 times 0.4 is equivalent to 24 plus 20, which leaves us with the value of 44 millicoulombs per liter. The patient's measured bicarbonate value is 32 millicoulombs per liter, less than expected. This suggests a concurrent metabolic acidosis and confirms the finding of the increased anion gap in step 2. What is the diagnosis? This patient has a chronic respiratory acidosis due to COPD with chronic hypoventilation, as well as a high anion gap metabolic acidosis likely due to uremia and severe chronic kidney disease. And that brings us to the end of our discussion on acid-base disorders. Now, let's recap to see if we've completed our goals. First, can you name the four main types of acid-base disorders? Metabolic acidosis, metabolic alkalosis, respiratory acidosis, and respiratory alkalosis. Next, are you able to describe the anion gap formula and how it is used? The anion gap equation is the sum of the chloride and bicarbonate subtracted from the serum sodium. The anion gap discrepancy between the amount of sodium, a cation, and the amount of chloride and bicarbonate, anions, that exists because of physiologic unmeasured anions in the blood such as phosphate, sulfate, and anionic proteins such as albumin. If the gap is high, there is an anion gap metabolic acidosis. Finally, are you able to describe the stepwise approach to diagnosing acid-base disorders? Step 1. You assess the primary acid-base disorder. Step 2. You establish if there is a primary metabolic or respiratory disorder. Step 3. You calculate the anion gap to see if there is a high anion gap metabolic acidosis. And step four, assess if compensation is appropriate. And that's it. Armed with your newfound knowledge on acid-base disorders, let's get back to the patient from the beginning of this episode. You are seeing a 42-year-old man that was found unconscious and found in his own vomit and mostly empty brown glass liquor bottles next to him. Your workup revealed a blood gas with a profound acidosis with a serum pH of 6.9, along with an elevated partial pressure of arterial carbon dioxide. How will you analyze this patient's severe acidemia? A blood gas shows a pH of 6.9 with a PaCO2 of 50 millimeters per mercury and a bicarbonate of 8 millicoulombs per liter. You explain. First, 
clearly there is more to this than just a respiratory acidosis with inadequate ventilation. If that were the only problem, bicarbonate would be normal or increase, not decrease like this. You find these had profound respiratory acidosis, but also a very high anion gap, suggesting two causes of his acidemia, and explaining the very low serum bicarbonate. Further investigation shows that the bottle next to him was blue, like windshield washer fluid. You recall that this contains methanol. Putting it all together, you find metabolic acidosis with an elevated anion gap and a positive assay for methanol. And that's it for our show. Make sure to like and subscribe if you like what you hear. And remember, your feedback helps us to improve. You can enjoy the full Brick experience online at www.usmle-rx.com, complete with illustrations, questions, flashcards, and active learning. So go check that out if you haven't already. Until next time.